Hello and welcome to this episode of the Coaching Podcast from British Canoeing Awarding Body. Hi everyone and uh, welcome to British Canoeing Coaching Podcast. Uh, my name is Lee Pooley, I'm the Director of Coaching and Qualifications here at British Canoeing and British Canoeing Awarding Body and I'm delighted to uh, be joined uh, on online today by Pia. So hi Pia. Hi Lee, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, good, thank you. Uh, we were just chatting just beforehand, uh, before we started recording, that uh, hadn't seen you for a while, and uh, last time we we sort of uh, were working together was at uh, the uh, Lee Valley on the Slalom Championships, which was lovely to see you and work with you. Um, but I think rather than me um, talk about talk about our sort of uh, our working uh, to, to listeners. Um, would it be right if you give a little bit of a background to, to who you are and, and a bit about your paddling? Yep. So as we've gone through, I'm Pia. I've been paddling for oh around 20 odd years now uh, and coaching for the most part of that as well for quite a long time. I started out in PGL and did a sort of zero to hero three week paddle school course many, many moons ago. Um, left there, then developed in the coaching world and now run my own business. So I run a lake in Beckenham in London. Um, we have around 50 odd staff of which I think there's 13 qualified paddle sports instructor now. Um, my favourite choice of craft is a canoe. Just because you can take them anyway, you can take the kitchen sink with you. <laughs> so canoe's your favourite craft and what's your, what's your second, what's your second in your arsenal? A sap. And the yeah, reason no, I've always had trouble with a kayak since I had my little one, as many mums will attest that having babies changes your body shape uh, okay. and everything. My bum and a kayak don't quite get along so much anymore. <laughs> okay, so majority of your paddling is now in a canoe or a sup. Yeah. And then, and what sort of what sort of waters do you do you tend to to paddle on? Mostly the River Medway down in Kent, nice slow moving river. It's got the uh, infamous canoe slides and canoe passes though, which make it good interesting fun, um, as well as the lake at Beckenham. I do like to get out and about. I've done a variety of rivers, including like the Conch in northern France, uh, which is mostly touring. It's got one grade three rapid on it, which you kind of just bypass at the canoe club. And I've done La Semois in Belgium as well, which was a really good, that was 89 and a half K over two and a half days so it was a really really good touring one and, and Pia you're also um you're part of the British Canoeing um uh, touring technical group yes I was trying to remember this morning how many years I've been doing that now because it must be at least three years I've been on that team yeah and uh, it's been nice to watch it change and evolve over time and be part of building the syllabuses and like the BCAB mm. as well especially when the paddle sport touring leader came in yeah, and um, yeah, thanks to everyone on the technical group for being able to contribute and shape that uh, to the qualification it is now, and um, yeah, very popular, which is which is fantastic. So, Pierre, what we're what we're going to be you know focusing on today is around touring and and going into the sort of the winter period. Although you know people would probably curse me, uh, but you know going into a winter period, maybe our our thoughts change slightly. So. Um, in terms of when you go paddling and when you're paddling in the winter, what sort of clothing and what sort of items do you think about when you are going to be paddling throughout the winter period? It depends what kind of journey I'm doing. So if I'm doing a journey where I know I'm going back to the car at the end of the day and it's relatively with touring and stuff, flat water, stuff I've paddled before, like the Medway, 
where I know I'm heavily not likely to go in. I might stick with sort of like my base layer suit. I've got a Tsango suit that I sort of team up with. Uh, I tend to lean towards wearing rad base layers because I suit my body type. But equally, I've got friends and stuff that wear all the different outdoor brands because at the end of the day, you've got to choose what suits you and what fits correctly. Because the last thing you want to do when you're paddling is do that reach forward and your back layer comes up and you're like, oh, that breeze is cold. Um, but, you yeah, know, maybe a pair of Salopets and a jacket at that point. But if I was out in things like Bala Lake or the Menai Strait or paddling a little bit more exposed, I'd probably opt more for my dry suit with a base layer. With wearing stuff under dry suits, being out touring, um, I mentioned this to a friend last week because she was doing some help on courses and stuff and knew she'd be out in the water all day. And I said, try wearing a gilet, like an insulated gilet, underneath your dry suit over your base layer. And I said it massively helps because it's not too warm, but then you don't get cold. Whereas if you wear a whole insulated jacket, you tend to find you get a little bit sweaty, which is the last thing we want to end up being. Absolutely. And what about what about hands, hands, feet, and and head? What is there anything any top tips you would give with that? Hats are always good fun. To, uh, I'm going to say Tsango again because I've got a Tsango hat that goes with my little uh, under dry suit, but that's great underneath a woolly hat. Um, like a house, you lose 70% of your heat out your head. So do make sure your head's covered with a helmet or a hat, depending on what water you're paddling and what you're doing. Um, equally, you can use things like buffs around your neck. So a buff always works well. Even if you've got a dry suit on, you can chuck a buff on. They're always quite good. A lot of the paddlers, I think, used them as COVID masks during COVID <laughs> as well. So they always double up for everything else. Um, Gloves-wise, it's entirely dependent. I've got two sets of gloves that I use. I've got my neoprene gloves if I know my hands are getting wet. But equally, I've got a pair of insulated mittens because where your fingers are together, you hold the heat in better than when you use individual finger gloves mm. insulation-wise. But insulated mittens work really well when paddling if you know you're keeping dry hands. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's some really great, really great advice there. And, you know, I just sort of, you know, thinking about, you know, my type of, you know, clothing for winter and uh, it's, it's, it's not much different. And, uh, you know, that layering approach and uh, I'm glad you mentioned about the, you know, the heat loss out of your head. Um, in terms of when you're planning and preparing for a winter trip, what sort of things are you considering, you know, right, right from the very sort of point that you want to go to paddle somewhere um how are you starting to plan and prepare yourself for a particular winter trip it'd be more looking at so where am i going so am i paddling open water am i paddling a river what the weather's doing what the weather's been doing especially when it comes in regards to water levels because if you look at rivers a lot of time at this time of year i think it was a couple of years it must have been a couple of years back my husband went off to do his five star white water stuff we leave that over there, white water. Um, but basically, I think a lot of the white water rivers were too low to paddle, but all the touring rivers were in operation. Yeah. So it's always making sure you're checking your water levels, wind, weather, especially if you're in open water. A couple of notes that um, I made for paddling in sort of like open water and over winter is always looking at the weather. Do you need to go paddling today? Can it wait for another day? And it's knowing when to make that. A lot of paddlers have a big trouble making that call because we all want to go paddling but actually some days if the wind's worse for it with 45 mile an hour gusts it might be better let's saving that bit of cpd for another day or saving that journey for another day and going somewhere else 
always have a backup location yeah if you are going out so that's that's location and conditions is there anything else that you might you know you start to prepare yourself before you before you set off on your winter trip uh kit making sure i've got enough spare kit as well kit's always a big one i always get told off the amount of kit that i carry i don't know if you remember it lee valley me and my huge dry bag that came everywhere with me yeah i remember it had kit for every shade under the sun. So I suffer with something called Hashimoto's disease, which is a thyroid condition, which means I can get extremely cold extremely quickly. Uh, and I tend to feel the cold a bit more. So I tend to come with like my wardrobe packed for every eventuality because you don't know what the weather's doing. And I like being able to pick. It's always better to be able to de-layer than not have enough layers, basically, on a journey. Like... You want to pick a lot of things that are light so you're not making your boat too heavy. But equally, you want to have lots of options there that you can pick from and make sure you've got enough. Because if the weather, I've been through weather paddling where it's been sunny one minute, snowed the next, rained a ton, and then gone back to being sunny. And you're like, where are, where are we again? <laughs> What's going on? Because the weather just, you, especially if you're paddling further out regions, around mountains and stuff, the weather interchanges so quickly around there. And you don't always see it coming because you've got the mountains in the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you're talking a lot, you know, clothing options, aren't you? you know, clothing options for, and, and take take more than you think you need. Um, yeah. That, that's what I hear for you. Um, and what other kit might you, might you take? Always generally, if I'm doing long touring stuff, is poles as well poles come in extremely good handy because you can use them for poling if you're in a river that's suddenly too shallow but you can also use them for sailing so like when we said about the weather and looking at do you need to go out that day well actually if the wind's going in the right direction then why not crack a sail out and go for a wee sail in your canoe yeah because you can if you've got a solo sail you can sail upwind as well as downwind um a really good book is beyond the paddle so if you want to pick up a book that's all about skills beyond just being in your boat, it covers kayaking as well as canoeing. And I believe they're now developing bits for SUP for them to be able to take poles and do solo sails on SUPs as well. But as we know with SUP, it's never developing sport because it hasn't been around as long as kayaking and canoeing. Yeah. But sailing is always good fun. Uh, that You can do tracking. So you can trap if you've got a good bank side. I know Bala's not always the best for it, but if you're at Klimpadan, another place up that way, um, trying to think about the Lake District, if you're at Ennerdale or Windermere, as we all know, Windermere is good for its wind. Mm. They've got quite good bank side in places that you can do a bit of tracking along if it saves you paddling and paddling head on into the wind. So you're just for the listeners, what what is tracking? Trackings where you use the painters on your boat. So touring boats, especially canoes, are always generally set up with uh, what we call a painter and a half. So it's normally the length of your canoe like you have for white water, but then you do a half again for things like lining and track. You don't generally line too much, but tracking. So you put a weight in the back of your boat and you can use it to track up wind along the bank, walking so, along the bank, pulling your boat along. It saves you portaging as such and trying to carry a heavy canoe full of your kitchen sink. So a much more efficient way of actually moving rather than actually picking it up and lifting the heavy, the lefty, yeah. hefty canoe around. Yeah. Saves your shoulders, saves your back. Yeah. And um, in terms of, you know, you're out for the you're out for the day uh, in winter conditions, you know, having a paddle. Um, what's your what's your you know food of choice? What you know, would you take a flask? Would you take food? What would you take? 
oh this is where I get told off for being naughty so I've generally always got cucumber sticks in winter don't ask me why but they stay nice and cold and they're always nice when they're colder than when you take them out in the summer and they go warm and sticky um but I can be quite notorious for taking day-old pizza out with me <laughs> Uh, that or using my jet boil that I've always, I've always got a little stove jet boil with me because if you need an emergency hot water cup of tea if you're too cold um but they're also very good at making hot dogs in and having our wee hot dog on the side Whoa. I always get looked at funny when I crack out my jet boil and my hot dogs yeah and, and pizza and cucumber it's a it's a it's, a, <laughs> it's an interesting combination here but um you know from all of that it's about you know being able to provide something you know a warm drink isn't it and also enough substance mm. to take with you on a particular winter trip because you know as everyone probably knows is you know you use up a lot more energy um you know paddling in winter than in other areas you talked about you talked about um sailing earlier and yeah. just want to sort of delve into that a little bit is you know what are your what are your tips for paddling in open water in wind because you know um sails all well and good but some people don't carry sails or don't sail their craft so what would you say are your top tips for, for paddling in an open water environment with wind? So you've got your tracking option if you've got a good bank side, but if you are in the middle and suddenly the wind does pick up and you're trying to go into the wind, so you're trying to get upwind effectively, the best way is, is to contour. And it works the same as when you go mountain walking. It's basically you do zigzags. So rather than trying to paddle directly head on into wind and brute hoe it, you almost zigzag on like 45 degree angles. It will take a wee bit longer and you'll get more paddling miles under your belt from all that zigzagging. But it is an easier and more efficient way to beat upwind. In sailing, they do refer to it as beating. Right. You can do it in a solo canoe, but you won't be able to do it if you're a group canoe sailing. So if you're canoeing as a canoe raft, in sailing, they only go downwind, whereas we do the solo ones. If people are carrying the group sailing kits, you won't be able to sail upwind. Would that be the similar to, you know, although you talk about canoe, would that would you say that would be just as beneficial for someone in a kayak or a sup to, to zigzag them the way up? Yeah. So any paddle craft, any even sailors, when they do it in sailing boats, any kind of craft trying to move upwind, the best way is to, as Michael Jackson says, just beat it. It's an easy way to remember it. It's quite a fun rhythm bit where people work with music in their head. An easy way to remember it is Michael Jackson's Just Beat It, is you go zigzags upwind. But uh, yeah, with suppers, I definitely recommend if they are doing it to sit down, just because yeah. then they get less windage on their body standing up and they're not creating such a big sail themselves. Yeah. And then, you know, what I've noticed in, in over the years is that people, you know, struggle when the wind hits the front of their canoe and it just whips around. What tips would you be giving for that? You can move forward in your boat. So looking at the trim. Okay. So we talk about trimming coaching quite a lot and how you trim your craft and they'll talk about it in white water when you're going down moving rivers. Equally, when you're on open water, you want to make sure your canoes or your kayak even. So if you've got the back hatches, if you're touring and all your kits in the back, you want to try and make sure you're nicely balanced in your craft. Same with SUP. If your kit's all the way at the back under there, because some SUPs now I've got the bungees. That's the technical word, Glenn. Bungees at the back as well as the front when they've got the longer SUPs. But it's just making sure your kit's in an appropriate place to where you're going. If you can't move your kit, so like a kayak with a back hatch, can you move your weight forward? Can you lean forward into it a bit more, get some more weight over the front to get the nose down? 
canoes and such, you can just generally move all your kit to the front yeah. and that will weight it down. Some people carry a spare dry bag. It's an old, an old, old trick. Spare dry bag, fill it full of water and stick it in the front, adds extra weight. Okay. Don't know if you know about that one. No, I mean, I've, I've heard of it within sea kayak in those plastic squash bottles filled with water and shoved up to the front of your uh, front of your sea kayak that brings the brings the nose slightly down. Um, and that's really helped us out in the past. But I've not heard of it within canoe. So some really interesting stuff and in terms of um, some good top tips there. In the area that you're paddling now, you know, within touring, you get a lot of different craft, don't you? You know, lots of different craft. And, 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 and I think that's the one of the sort of attractions of touring is that you can you can use many varied craft but they're all different shapes and sizes and abilities are different how do you work to keep those craft together when on a trip because i can imagine that we they could easily spread out quite quickly yeah so in an open water environment you kind of generally want to you want to give them boundaries so if you're doing it from a leadership perspective you'll know about giving your boundaries, I want you all to stay together, I want you to stay this distance from me, another bit, but if you're social peer paddling, just ask everyone to keep an eye out for each other, if you can't see someone, you can't help them, it's a big one I use when coaching, if I can't see you, I can't help you, I don't know you've gone over, then I can't do anything to invert it as such, but just saying together at the beginning of like a peer paddle, social paddle, any kind of paddle, let's stay together as a group, keep an eye out for one another, We'll do regular head counts. If anyone's struggling at all, feel free to pair up with them. It's always good to be social and chat. That's why we all do paddle sports, right? Isn't it? Because we're all very social people. We all like chatting lots. Um, but it's also accepting to a certain point. Double blades are always going to be a little bit faster, I think, than single blades. Yeah. So maybe where you position your people with double blades compared to those with single blades. Not saying that canoeists and suppers are slower than kayakers at all, but inadvertently they've got two ends to their paddle and they've only got one. Yeah. So maybe positioning, looking at where you're positioning people around, but ultimately being social, staying together, chatting, keeping an eye out for each other. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's some really good top tips there. And Pierre, you know, one of the things that you know I know you're extremely busy and got your own centre, et cetera, and um, just really appreciate you know, the time that you've taken out to talk to us today. And I'm sure that um, you know a lot of the stuff that you said today will be of real interest and, and value to, to, to anyone that's uh, listening to, to this particular podcast. So, um, Pia, thank you very much for you know, taking the time to speak to us and um, really appreciate it. And um, maybe see you at, um, at uh, Lee Valley again at the Up and Coming Championships in June. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks very much, uh, Pierre, and uh, speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you, Lee. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. Remember to review, rate and subscribe. Bye for now.